Welcome to the Athlete Peeps Podcast with your host, Mark Farnell. Hello, Athlete Peeps, and welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast you want to listen to to find out what other athletes are doing to be successful in their sports. All competitive athletes are trying to get that edge in diet and training and recovery and mental tactics. Learn from others on this podcast and take something so you can apply it to your own sport. Today, we're going to be talking with Carla Nowicki. Carla is a dietitian, competitive weightlifter, and a strength coach. She has worked with professional and collegiate athletes. She's worked with NFL teams such as the NFL, uh, the New York Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, and New Orleans Saints. She's also worked with North Carolina State University and the University of North Carolina. She's worked with some professional soccer players with the Carolina Railhawks. She's done extreme weight loss with clients who've lost over 200 pounds. She has worked with nationally competitive weightlifting athletes, and she's also worked with extreme sport athletes, including BMX racers and downhill riders. So she's got a very diverse uh, client list. She's got a lot to offer, and she's going to walk us through a little bit on how to take care of ourselves nutritionally in and around competition. So what do I have before? What do I have after? What is the way I can maximize my workouts, can maximize my competition, maximize my practices? Please enjoy this conversation with Carla Nowicki. All right. Hello, Carla. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for joining me on the Athlete Peace Podcast. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm glad to be here. So I thought today, obviously, we're talking food, everyone's favorite. Yeah. So um, I guess we'd uh, – so, so I understand that you had your challenges that kind of – led you into the career that you've chosen. So you mind uh, telling us a little bit about what took what, you here? Uh, yeah, what sparked my interest in wanting to be a sports dietitian. Absolutely. Uh, so just like a lot of us, I started off really young, always in the sports world. And I was a multi-sport athlete growing up and kind of a strange combination, a weird array of sports that I ended up choosing were just from habits of friends of mine getting into things, and then parents. Um, I was a mini gymnast, a cross-country runner, and a triathlete. Um, and as a full, co- Yes, very much fit and mix. Because if you think about it, a uh, gymnast is a power athlete. It's more of a strength power athlete. Um, a cross-country runner is an endurance athlete. And also triathlon can be very much sprint and endurance together. So very much a combination of all the energy systems that you're trying to use. And so they don't really match up that well together. Um, but the one thing they all have in common is this, this background mentality of the smaller you are, the better you're going to be sports. So there's a really big push, especially for females, to be smaller and smaller and smaller in these sports. And I started off in high school having a pretty unhealthy relationship with food in the fact that I thought it was working against me. I didn't realize what it did for me whatsoever. Um, I thought it was something that, like, a chore that I had to do. I had to eat something. Um, And the fact that it was something that was working against my sport, and so I would try to eat absolutely as little as possible uh, throughout the day and throughout basically any time I possibly could take out food, I absolutely would. Now, would would your coaches mm -hmm. condone that? Is that what they asked you to do? It wasn't an asked thing to do, but it was kind of like, okay, we just knew that we were pushed to be smaller. And I definitely had a coach come up to 
all of us uh, girls come up to us and say, you know, it would be great if you could be about 10 pounds smaller. And I'm sitting there at 105 pounds thinking, I wow. don't know where this weight is going to come off of. Uh, and just feeling just so defeated and not realizing what I could do about it. Um, and actually that sparked me, okay, they've got to be having junk food in their day. Well, it's, it's, they're coming to the practice and just living off crappy food. So they invited a dietitian uh, to come and talk to us. And through that experience, she realized that we're not eating at all. We're just basically not eating breakfast doing homework through lunch because usually a gymnast life is that you're at practice four to five hours a day in the afternoon. So your homework time is lunchtime. And then maybe I would have maybe a kind of small snack before I went to practice and really only eat dinner. And even then sometimes I could skip dinner um, if my parents weren't watching. <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely not a healthy relationship with food. Did I eat healthy food? Yeah, I ate vegetables. I ate healthier food, but didn't really eat a ton of junk food as a kid. Um, but after she talked to us, it was the first person that really made me feel empowered by eating and realizing how much food could help all of my sports and that I wasn't going to get fat by eating and that if I only ate a lot more, I would be able to have so much power for my vault, have the energy to run a really fast 5K. Um, and then be able to be on the bike for as long as I need to be on the bike in my triathlon. Um, so it was such an empowering moment to realize food isn't against me. It's actually working with me. And that was something I really wanted to take forward and share um, and that that's message. A, and that's a great lead-in to what we're talking about today, to see yeah. how athletes can build their food around their competitions and their practices. So yeah. how do you approach that with, with athletes? Um, so, yeah, how do you even start, really? Because if exactly. you think about someone's nutritional needs, I mean, depending on their sport, depending on their size or their position, um, their needs are completely different from one to the next. So there's really no way to say, like, okay, you need to have this many calories in the day and you need this much protein unless it's truly individualized to that person. Um, so it's very much like I can't give a certain amount, but let's think about just really good habits and understanding your body so that you could make those changes to know to eat more or less. Um, so one of the big things is I think about setting them up with an overall healthy diet first. And no amount of pre and post is really going to mask an unhealthy daily diet. Um, so setting them up with making sure they are getting lean protein and especially for my younger athletes, teaching them to eat their vegetables. So step one is That's really huge. what they're ingesting, not Health. necessarily when exactly. to ingest it. Okay. What is first? Um, definitely the eat a healthy diet, um, eat clean food is number one. Um, and this is something that almost every high school athlete or younger athlete I start to work with. Uh, the number of times we can go through and say, like, okay, what have you been eating the past couple of days? And we look back and say, huh, you haven't had a vegetable in two or three days. And that's actually pretty normal. Um, so I don't want it to be the norm. I want you thinking of at least strive for five. And that's not strive for five fruits and vegetables or either or, because fruits do not equal vegetables. So I want you to strive for five different times or different vegetables that you have in your day. So that could mean that you have a salad with tomatoes, lettuce, cucumbers with one meal. 
And then another meal, you have maybe squash and zucchini with your dinner. Now, the argument must be preparing it, right? Like, how do I get yes. access to these? <laughs> I am busy. I have all this training. I have school, yep. what have you. How are you able to get them to incorporate that into a, uh, a daily For sure. routine? Um, so perfect example is what I had to do five minutes ago. Um, I was right, running in to, from walking my dog uh, right before talking to you in this podcast. Um, okay, I need a vegetable snack. I need a small snack. What can I grab? And always having grab-and-go vegetables around that you like. So things that you don't have to prep that you can just eat and snack on. Uh, so for me, my go-tos are cherry tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, carrots, baby bell peppers, celery, uh, sugar snap peas. All of those are like, if you don't like one of those, try them and see where you can go from there. But chances are one of those you're going to like. So you're suggesting basically these items will, instead of like a snack drawer with who knows what yes. in it, this is going to be exactly. a new <laughs> snack drawer, but it's going to be in the vegetable crisper. Exactly. So instead of kind of reaching for the cupboard, maybe reach towards that crisper drawer in the in the in the fridge. Okay. So how do I, is that something I'm going to be consuming pregame or before practice? Is this something ah. that I'm going to be doing beforehand? So this is just general life first and making sure you have those healthy habits of vegetables and uh, lean proteins, but not before practice. Before practice is actually when you want to get those carbohydrates in. And carbohydrates are going to be more of your grains, your cereals, your fruit. Um, think of like your more snacking foods. Those are what you want to have pre and post training session and actually even during a longer training session or a game. Okay. So if I, if I examples. ran to the store, what would yeah. you have me grab? If I had three things that, that I could be my, my crutches to lean on, what would you suggest? Yep. I usually choose things that aren't going to go bad. So you can keep them in your, in your gym bag or your soccer bag or wherever you're heading out to. Um, so at all times you always have one. So I would recommend even putting a full box of say nature Valley bars in there. And the reason why I recommend nature Valley bars is because there's not a lot of junk in them uh, for what they are. And they're usually pretty light and so they don't go bad. If you put them in the air, defi define junk for us. God, so a lot of things <laughs> that have like uh, high fructose corn syrup and just additives that are just not needed. It basically, if you can turn over that label and you can read every ingredient and you know what those ingredients are, like rolled oat, honey, um, those are the kind of things you're looking for. But if it's like Lake 40 dye in there, maybe that's not what you want to go for. Um, I don't know about you, but I have never seen a natural Lake 40 dye. Yeah. Or a tree. Or a tree, yeah. <laughs> so, never okay. seen one. And so we got the Nature Valley bars. What else? Um, so that's one. Um, one, if you're able to like grab and go from your house, a banana might be a really good option if you're just kind of grabbing and going. Um, another option I usually like to go with, it's actually pretty tasty, something like a Fig Newton is actually pretty good as well. Um, you can kind of just grab a couple Fig Newtons. And for me, they're easy to count. They're about 10 grams of carbs per Fig Newton. So usually before practice, I would want them to have probably roughly 30 to 50 grams of carbs before they go. So I can say, hey, I want you to have four Fig Newtons before you go to practice. Okay. How far in advance are we talking, roughly? About 30 to 60 minutes, roughly. It's going to be a little bit different for each person. Some people can literally eat and go run. 
Um, and slowly you can train your stomach to be able to do that better and better. But it does take time and maybe inching that closer and closer. And the reason why you want to inch it closer and closer is so as say you have a longer soccer game um, and you or you have back-to-back matches in tennis. That means you can train your stomach to be okay with eating between your matches or at halftime um, and be able to keep pushing at your hardest for the rest of that game or that match. So we got the carbohydrate portion. Do you recommend protein mm-hmm. as well? I would recommend protein for post-training or post-game. Okay. I'm not really during because during it's protein is actually one of the slowest to digest out of your nutrients. So in general, it's going to slow that metabolism down. And think of like your eating metabolism is going basically at a, you're trying to ingest food or you're trying to run an exercise. They work against each other for the most part when it comes to fats and proteins. So no protein so during, pr- you, protein prior or no? I would say protein afterwards. Okay. Um, you can so. do up to about 10 grams of protein prior, but I probably wouldn't go higher than that because it cannot disrupt your stomach. Okay. So the, the natural question is, the things you laid out here, some sugar in there. So would there be any concern mm-hmm. for me having that sort of sugar beforehand? Not really. I mean, you... you don't, a lot of people think, especially right now, of this age of keto and this age of carbs are not good for you, that this idea of sugar is not good for you. And truly, it's just timing your sugars and realizing that technically a banana is sugar. So if I say sugar, I don't want to say no sugar. I would rather say, okay, have a natural sugar, have a banana, um, have a little bit of honey and peanut butter on a sandwich. So those type of sugars can be very beneficial and mixing in, having some more slower burning and then some fast burning. So that's why I recommend things like a Nature Valley bar or a, um, a Fig Newton because they're about 50-50 of a slower burning carb and then 50% of a fast carb. Okay. Now, say I skip it. What can I expect to happen to me? I mean, what what would be the differences in... Um, of like not having that carbohydrate, what's the reason for having it really, right? Correct. Okay, so the carb is really going to help you with a couple reasons. One, um, if you're missing that carb, you probably won't have the amount of energy and thinking of like your fuel tank. Your carbohydrates are filling your fuel tank. So if you're running low on energy, you're basically puttering along. You're not going to be able to really push it and give it your all. So that's the difference of someone that can keep running I'm using, I keep on using soccer as the example today, um, but the person that can actually get out in front or the person that's going to be a couple steps behind matters very highly on or do you have the energy to make that extra push. So that's one of the reasons. Um, two, actually, a lot of people think of like, oh, I'm cramping. It must be an electrolyte thing. It must be I need Gatorade. I need more water. Um, a lot of people cramp when they don't have enough fuel. So it might not just be that you need to drink more water. Um, something in the Gatorade that might be helping you is actually that sugar. Oh, no, that's uh, interesting. And, I, yeah. I, I don't believe that a lot of people know that. Most people trace that back to the water. Yeah. Um, so it's more than just water. And actually, if you just kind of throw water at it constantly, you actually might overhydrate someone. Now I've gone, I've completed my competition or my practice. What would a post-game post-practice mm-hmm. uh, meal look like? Yeah, post-practice is going to look like a lot like the pre of like having some carbohydrates 
to refill those fuel tanks that you've used up. And then also that's where you want that protein. And a lot of my younger athletes, there's a couple of products I like to recommend. Um, and one of those is called Rock and Refuel, which is delicious. It's like protein plus chocolate milk. <laughs> and it's, I love it myself, so I can't imagine why a kid would not want to drink this. Um, you can usually find it. It's based in the dairy aisle. Uh, so it's not even in like the protein powder section. Um, it's these little chocolate milks. And they have a strawberry and vanilla that are just little milks you can have. And they have about 20 to 30 grams of protein per bottle. Does this mean that you uh, have to find a way to bring it cooler with you? It can. Um, another option is doing like I actually do promote protein powders even for youngsters a lot of the time. So even someone as young as 12, 14 having a protein powder that they like might be very beneficial. But this ro- um, rock so, and refuel, this is like a complete, right? Like this is, this isn't yeah, powder, it's right? Yeah, it's got the carbs. No, this, that's actually a milk. So yeah. uh, it, it's complete. The fact that it already has a lot of carbs in there, it's got a little, the, the refuelingness to it. Um, and it's, but it, it's basically one easy thing you can do. The protein powder, you would also want to add like a banana to that. Um, another option you can go with is just bring a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich with you. Um, just getting the carbs and the protein there, right, right then and there. But the overall factor is if you've been at practice for a couple hours, that's a couple hours of a feeding time during the day that you haven't gotten fuel. So it is just time in your day again to eat. So whether this is magic window of I need to gain muscle so I need to eat right afterwards or not, the point is it's time to eat either way. So eating as, as soon as you can after practice, so making sure you have something there. I have a couple follow-up questions with uh, the protein and the banana and the sandwich. So bread mm-hmm. has been a villain. Is there any particular oh, breads yeah. that I have to Um In general, if I want you going towards a wheat bread. And in general, I would want you going towards a bread that's actually coming out of a bakery. Now, the bread that comes off of the bread aisle and the bread shelf, uh, it's normally meant to stabilize for over a month on the shelf without any touching it. So there are a lot of preservatives a lot of times in the shelf bread, even if it is a wheat bread. So I would recommend going with going to over the bakery section and grabbing a loaf off the bakery section. Okay. Now, the cost uh, difference between the two? There uh, is going to be a cost difference. There is. Um, so, yeah. So a normal loaf of bread off the bread aisle it's going to run you about $2 versus one in the bakery is going to be about 3 to $4. So there's actually a very large price increase. Um, but things of, okay, in the big scheme of things per slice of bread, you're still only paying about 10 to 20 cents per slice of bread. So it's relatively inexpensive. So it's worth the investment. It's worth the investment for sure. And then my other question was with the banana added to the protein, how do I do that if I am on the move? and I'm just finishing my game, my practice, how do I combine those two together? Yeah. Um, so basically having the protein powder and water would be your go-to. So a scoop of protein powder in your water and eating that banana just right with it. So that way you don't need a blender. You don't need anything special. You're just eating your banana along with your protein. I see. I was wondering how you mix that all together because I yeah. don't think I ever brought a blender with me for practice. No, I don't think anyone's bringing a blender to practice. I know the bullet's portable and all, but... Uh... <laughs> uh, and the most important thing is taste, actually. And when you think about this, I would rather you actually eat something that you like as long as it's healthy. You can find a healthy option that you like 
it just might take a little bit of searching. But if it's an option that you like and you don't like hate it, you're going to look forward to it instead of you avoiding that food. Now, what is the time frame where I have I should be consuming this food after my yeah. my competition? Just as soon as you can. Um, you're naturally not going to be as hungry after you work out or after you practice or a game. It's pretty normal because your body's saying, "Hey, I'm in workout mode. I'm not in eat mode." So I mentioned before, like the different time frames of like, okay, if you eat a lot of protein and fat, your body's going to slow down and not want to run. The opposite way, if you've been running a lot, your body's a little slow to shift back to, okay, it's fuel time, it's food time. So you want to actually not listen to these hunger cues at that time and go ahead and eat anyway. So as soon as you can get to food, the better. Now, what's the advantage to that? Uh, the advantage is, again, you just have, it's time to eat again because you've been at practice for that long that it's really time to get a meal in and really making sure you are always in that feeding state uh, makes it so you're keeping all of that lean mass that you really have worked so hard to get and making sure you're not just going into the state where you're going to start burning all those muscles off. Okay. That was what my question was more so was from a performance standpoint, Mm -hmm. if I, my motivation to eat something as I'm walking out the door or do I wait to get home, change, shower, go to dinner, why would I want Your wanna... motivation is that you worked hard at practice, you want to keep those gains. Why would you go to practice and then not want what you worked so hard to get or lower that amount down just because you're not going to eat fast enough? So more for a muscle preservation. Yes. Now, in around here, obviously, there's lots of athletes and trainers out there. Where I am located in New England, there's a lot of talk <laughs> around Mr. Tom Brady and his trainer, Alice Guerrero. Of course. They have released <laughs> a book, uh, TB12, and mm-hmm. they have certain suggestions around eating and uh, competitions and how that relates to performance. What What's right. your take on, on uh, their, their layout? Yeah. So my take in general on just athletes that try to have these like big pushes of nutrition, like it's great to get that interest in nutrition. And a lot of them have these great start points of like, okay, we have a um, a healthy diet plan and it starts with good habits like vegetables and sleep and um, actually taking some mental clarity time. But they a lot of time get too far and too in depth and, way too antidotal of, okay, this works for me. Well, that's great, Tom Brady, that something works for you, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good for the general population and making sure research back that, okay, this is for most people, what's going to benefit them. Um, So as long as it's taken more as an antidotal evidence of like, okay, this, this is what he did and this is how he performed. That does not mean that for every athlete needs to sit in a float tank to be able to perform well or make sure they take some odd supplement over and over again to of like different things to be able to actually make it to a higher level. Um, a lot of athletes that are in these higher levels is genetic potential. And it doesn't matter if they have this magical combination or not, they're still going to be that same exact athlete. But because they believe in it, they do better. It's kind of like a placebo effect. Here's um well here's one from 
that I know that Tom does because I've heard it mentioned before, uh, doesn't <laughs> consume tomatoes because it's considered yeah. a nightshade and that affects recovery, right. uh, inflammation. So would that be one of the things in particular it's you would? It's kind of a really good, in, in, yeah. And our nightshade, some of that, some people don't do well with absolutely, but I'm just going to go out there and say like, okay, if I can get a kid to actually eat tomatoes and eat some vegetables, cool. I am thrilled about that. It's a better night. It's a better trade-off to them not eating vegetables. So that's a really good example of nightshade can, in some cases, decrease a little bit of your ability to recover. But in the overall, by the time you're thinking of a normal, average teenager diet, we have bigger fish to fry than getting rid of tomatoes. So you think the nutritional benefits outweigh the inflammation? Yeah, exactly. So the inflammation that is a Side effect, correct. So that mm-hmm. just, right. So for nightshades, that's, that's one of the, the major downside here for performance. Um, it can be. And then just some, there's a lot of kind of the idea of nightshades in general are going to have a lot of like inflammation properties and not help you heal. They're going to be against you, but that's not for everyone. That's just for some people. Some people handle digesting nightshades just fine without a problem. My next one, so I want to kind of look at supplementation. What, sure. What should I do with supplementation around my competition? Or, or what do you recommend that yeah. people do? I, there's many things out there on the shelves that people mm-hmm. like to experiment with. What do you think should be in around competition and practices? For sure. um, so number one, anything you do food-wise or supplement-wise, you should not do anything differently than what you do in practice to what you do in a competition food-wise. I mean, basically, you should be able to know this food is going to work well for me or this supplement is going to work well for me so I can do that on game day as well. Um, so there should not be a change of like, ooh, this is going to give me extra energy on a game day. No. Um, more consistent. And I actually, here, actually, I have a first personal example with this. Um, in college, I got into marathon running and I had been training myself on the gel packet for uh, months and I had known my stomach was going to handle them and I brought some with me, but on race day at the Marine Corps marathon, uh, they had the energy sport beans out on the course and I just got really excited and wanted to try them. And some people do well with them. I was in stomach pain from those guys for about three miles. And I can bet you that slowed down my time quite a bit because I did something different than I wasn't supposed to. So being very consistent with any other supplements or food that you have is very, very important. Um, and in general, I mean, I think I get rid of this before, protein powders afterwards, you should be doing after practice, just like you do after games. Um, and then going into it, it, really, if you want more energy, have a little extra carbohydrate on game day. That's you, really the only difference to do. Do you recommend the any same particular food, type? Just a little more. Um, you, just a little bit more of the same carbohydrates that you have been having and know that you do well with. So maybe instead of it's like three rice cakes, it's four rice cakes. For the protein powder, any particular ones you recommend? Um, the number one thing I want you looking for in a protein powder is, is that it's, again, you can read everything in the label, and there's no artificial dyes, sweeteners, any of that. Um, then it ha- also has NSF on the logo. So my top three favorites for protein powders are going to be Thorn Research, Onnit Labs, and SFH. Those are my top three. And the reason why I'm really big on this NSF 
is that the supplement industry is actually not regulated by the FDA. There is no governing body for it. So that someone could be putting anything they want in a supplement and selling it to you as protein powder, and they don't even have to put what's actually in it on the label. So scary. It's not a food. So it's really scary to think about of, okay, not only am I not getting my possibly not getting actually protein out of this, but what's actually in that supplement to make me keep one of buying it and keep getting results and buy theirs instead of someone else that maybe you don't want in your protein powder. Um, there was a study back a couple, well, many years ago at this point, um, but it was done on like about 100 different protein powders and over half of them came back with some type of illegal, at least trace amounts of some type of illegal steroid use or something like that that was not even on the label. Do you know the name of that study? I do not off the top of my head. Um, but it was back in like, I want to say it was back in like 2010-ish. So it's been quite quite a couple of years at this point. Um, so a lot of supplement companies have actually changed since then. Um, another example is, uh, again, I don't know the name of the study, but uh, they did a study on the supplements going into Walgreens and Target and GNC. And because of the study, GNC made a very large push to change and have an in-house testing for making sure everything is pure and actually what they said in the label because they got hit pretty hard with a lot of things that are in not on the label were actually in their product. Um, and the big thing was actually mixed house plants. So there was more house plant and a ginkgo than there was actually ginkgo. <clears throat> so if there's the bottom line is do, do your research, right? Yes. Do your research is number one. Um, and ask um, if there's a dietitian, local dietitian or ask me of send me an email of, Hey, is this a good supplement? Where do you recommend people go try and find some information? Yeah, um, I would go to the three actual, those are the three websites I would go to to find the supplements. And they have their research on their actual website. So that would be onnit.com. So that's O-N-N-I-T.com, um, S-F-H.com. And then Thorn Research, it's Thorn with an E at the end. Com. Okay, so, so each of those have their protein powders and the research on their site for those. Okay. Are there any independent organizations that you trust? Um, the independent organization is actually that NSF. So the two that I would I recommend are NSF or it's going to be a green check mark that says certified safe for sport. Um, and that's going to be the products like Gatorade have that. Um, and also like Muscle Milk has that as well. Um, but those are not two of my favorite supplements just in the fact that if you actually read the label on your Gatorade bars or on your muscle milk, you might be a little surprised. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you have any other sites as far as nutrition goes that people could reference? Um, as far as nutrition, great information can really be found on basically three different places I'll recommend. One, again, on it has a great uh, library of information on just research that's coming out um, it's really just different information of, hey, what's out there and letting you kind of make your own decisions. So again, that's O-N-N-I-T.com. And then also another one is PrecisionNutrition.com. And they have an, a plethora, an amazing amount of just really good tips and PDFs that are easy to read, um, just general nutrient information, whether it be for your sport or just good like habits to have and even okay what was the my favorite one of my favorite pieces is going through like the different types of intermittent fasting and what the owner of the company actually did 
to test these out and putting yourself through different ones and what he found beneficial and not. Um, so with that being a pretty hot topic right now, those are pretty good ones to go to. And then I, I also put uh, content up on my site occasionally about once a month of just a quick little piece on um, training. Um, I've done a piece on training in for the female athlete of when to work out, when to eat more uh, for your cycle, as far as example. Very cool. If you had one thing, you were only allowed one sentence to tell an athlete <laughs> around their competition to do, what would yeah. it be? Don't change a thing. Be consistent. Don't change up from fried foods to uh, cleaning to... Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever you're doing normally, that's what I want you to do on game day. Don't change a thing. Um, so that means that you have to have a pretty healthy diet. If you want to do well on game day, that's your every day. So nutrition doesn't have the idea of it's game day, it's not game day. Um, it's really just always having a consistent habit every day. Good advice. If listeners would like to get in touch with you, where, where's the best yeah. place for them to find you? They can find me um, on my website at pursuitpn.com. Um, I can also be reached by email. So that's Carla, C-A-R-L-A, at pursuitpn.com. Or they can follow me on Instagram. So that's Carla underscore pursuit pn um i put up information up there as well and you can always kind of jump around and see what i have going on very cool well carla i don't want to keep you too much longer i really appreciate you hanging out today and talking about fueling uh athletes yeah, around their you, competitions it, obviously it's super important and i hear all kinds of stories of athletes doing really creative <laughs> things from not eating anything to yeah. eating a half a pizza to you name it so i uh, appreciate you laying the record straight and giving of some course. guidelines not a problem well anything else you'd like to ask of the listeners before i let you go um do your research and read up before you just try to do something um biggest thing is realize you probably should listen to a person that has advice for you um, and professional advice. Everyone loves to give advice on what they think. And I always kind of use the example of you wouldn't go to somebody who's been through physical therapy to get your physical therapy done. You would go to a physical therapist. So just because someone else has had a lot of success in something, maybe take it with a grain of salt and then ask a professional if this is a good idea or not. Good Absolutely. Well, perfect. Well, thanks so much, Carla. And no we'll, problem. we'll track you and uh, we'll see you again, I'm sure. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to the Athlete Peeps podcast today. I realize you have many choices and I appreciate you spending your time here with me. Please subscribe and make sure you leave us a review and tell us how you think we're doing. I certainly appreciate it. Now, I want you to get after it. Go out there and be awesome. See you next time.